Tonight we discover reaching and understanding, which is true from a couple different perspectives as we look at Acts chapter 10. We'll read this chapter in its entirety. I will read it once from the English Standard Version. I'll then invite one of you to read it with the forewarning. This is a long one. So if you get short of breath, maybe let somebody else take this one on, because this is going to be a lengthier reading, but it is worth reading it the way the Spirit inspired Luke to write it, because there is a great deal going on within this chapter. So I will read from the English Standard Version, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48. We'll invite one of you to then give us a second reading of it from whatever translation you have handy. We then want to retell it, summarizing it in our own words. We want to discuss it. What are some of the details that have stood out to us? Whether I brought them out through the sermon this morning, whether your subsequent conversation with your families brought it out, or if it's things that just happen to strike you right now as we read it again. And then we want to, from this passage, talk about what we learn about God, what we learn about people, how we personally will put this into practice. And if you did hear my sermon this morning, I had a whole bunch of suggestions along those lines that you could use as a starting point. And then who needs this that you're going to tell? Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And it were all kinds of animals, and reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, Three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. 
So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him, but Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, Why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, the tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them, speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So that was Acts chapter 10, 1 through 48. Who could read that a second time? Nia will, thank you. Which translation will you be using? NLT. Thank you. If you could come a little closer, that would probably help. Even if you just sit on that front row, that'll be great for the people online. Thank you. Thanks, Nia. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. 
One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a man was being prepared, a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house, house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea. The following day, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up! I'm a human being, just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know, it is against... You know, it is against our law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God was shown, has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was, was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied four days ago. I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good for you to come. 
Now we are all here, waiting for God to hear the message the Lord was, has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judah, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those, we were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he offered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one anointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The, Jew, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit? just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Beautifully read, Nia. Thank you so much. So if I were to sum this up in my own words, I would say that through visions to both Cornelius and Peter, and through their obedience to those visions, the gospel reaches the Gentiles for the first time. Cornelius reaches an understanding of being right with God. And Peter, of being right with other people. And all in Christ. That would be my taking 48 verses and turning it to a couple of sentences. What would you add to that? What were other details that have stood out to you as you've reflected on this passage today? Lance, get us started. One detail that I noticed was the group who came with Peter, who were also Jews, who also were kind of having to violate their conscience a little bit to go to the Gentiles. So it shows an openness of them also to follow what God did with Peter, trusting God, hey, you've got a bigger purpose than just being with the Yeah. Good detail to add. Thank you, Lance. Other things? Vicki? Well, I think it tells you that um, we have to do more when the Holy Spirit tells you. I mean, if you think about, think about, think about, because it happens to me, and finally you know that's the way you need to be, that's the way you need to be. Yeah. So there will be difficult things when you're seeking God. There will be uncomfortable situations that you have to go through. 
but when you are seeking to do what God is leading you to do. You know, there's confidence and there's joy and you end up seeing the fruit from it, right? I appreciate you sharing that, Vicki. Thank you. Other details that stood out to us. Yeah, Wayne? They had a reason for it, yes. But Rooted in the Old changed, Testament scriptures. Just now changing. Well, as Jesus taught, he made it pretty clear it was changing. But they didn't seem to fully get it. And even after this, the next chapter is Peter having to do some splaining to the other folks back in Jerusalem. And then at some point he goes up to Antioch. And then Paul has to call him out because he sort of forgets what he learns here. And then they all get together in Acts 15 in Jerusalem and have a whole big powwow about it. So it's not always as cut and dry and as black and white as we like to try to make it. Sometimes being where God wants us to be is a little bit of a struggle. And questions have to be asked and humility has to be demonstrated. And the focus has to be on Jesus. That's the only way to get through. But before this, before Jesus, you had to be a Jew or what's the proselyte? Proselyte, yeah. So the, the typical categories that you would see here. So if you were a Jew, you had been born that way. Right? You were born a descendant of Abraham. There were some people who were proselytes. Biologically, they were not from Abraham's descendants. However, they would end up learning about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they would decide that is the God I want to serve. And they would have a complex set of rituals they would need to go through, including even as an adult man undergoing the ritual of circumcision. That was a deal breaker for a lot of Gentiles who might otherwise have been interested. So that put them in this interesting third category that Cornelius occupied, and you've probably heard our brother Lewis reference this a number of times before. It's the category of the God-fearer. So this is somebody that wasn't Jewish, and they felt like the Jewish people really had it right. Their view of the world. The God that they worshipped. He was the right one. But you want me to cut what off of my what? No, thank you. So I'll just sit outside the synagogue you know, maybe I'll help you build a synagogue, but I'm not going to go full-fledged Hebrew. So you'd had sort of that dynamic where you had people, and even in Jesus' ministry, they would encounter some folks that were very friendly to the Jewish people. You know, and so not all the Romans were these big, mean bullies. But up until this point, everybody that's heard the good news about Jesus was Jewish. They might have been natural-born Jew. They might have been proselyte. Those were the case of those that came to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit was poured out and the apostles start speaking in tongues and everybody's amazed and then they say this is a fulfillment of what the prophets have been saying was happening for centuries and now let me tell you about Jesus. And then they're cut to the heart and they say what shall we do? And they say repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 of them did it that day. And then eventually it spread to Samaria, which was still kind of Jewish. At one point, a long time ago, they'd been Jewish. A lot of Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. But 
know, Jesus had said that that would go to Samaria. Jesus himself had preached to Samaria. So that made sense. But this, somebody that was Gentile, that had not happened before. So that makes this a really big deal in Christian history. Because for all intents and purposes, I think all of us here tonight would be considered Gentiles. So our ability to be here is because of what God accomplished between Cornelius and Peter that day. So as important as Acts chapter 2 is for that first time that the gospel was proclaimed, Acts chapter 10 is right there with it. You know, it's kind of like Paul summarized his preaching of the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. Acts 2 is to the Jew first. Acts 10 and also to the Greek. That's the gospel reaching those who weren't born and raised Jewish. But there's a lot about this that makes this pretty unlikely and it's worth unpacking a little. So for instance, when it mentions that they're in Caesarea, appreciate where we are. So that is the seat of Roman government in Israel, right? So in the region of Judea, that's where Rome was based. So when Pontius Pilate wasn't going to Jerusalem to keep an eye on festivals to make sure there weren't any riots, Caesarea was home. So that's where the Roman governments, that's where the Roman soldiers were based out of. So when Peter who has had a few run-ins with Roman soldiers up to this point, gets invited by a Roman soldier and a couple of the centurion's guards to come see a Roman soldier in Caesarea, that's kind of intense. right? That's a little bit of an uncertain situation. Also appreciate that, as easy as it is for us to hear, when Peter starts preaching to Cornelius and he talks about Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. We just hear that and we're like, oh yeah, yep, Jesus is Lord of all, sing it all the time, that makes sense. But wait, there was somebody else in that day and age that claimed that very title. Do you know who else in their world at that time claimed to be Lord of all? Caesar. And Cornelius worked for who? And what was the name of the city they were in? Caesar, Caesarea. So this Jewish fisherman walks into a room full of Gentiles who either are or are related to or friends with Roman soldiers and says, Jesus is Lord of all. That's some moxie. That's some boldness. That's a guy who earlier denied him three times and went and hid. Talk about how Jesus can change somebody. Talk about how being led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, can change somebody. So Peter, as we encounter him here, he's at a much different place in life than when we see him in the Gospel accounts. And that's Jesus. That's the Spirit's work. But it also shows us the importance of vision here, because what was asked of Peter by God, it seems really obvious to us, because we eat whatever we want. We've all grown up that way, so that doesn't seem like a big deal to us. It's a really big deal to them. And even though there's things in the gospel accounts recorded where Jesus was making it clear, like, hey, this is changing. I'm fulfilling the law, and we're about to do something new. 
They still hadn't figured out, it's like, oh, but that means that I can just eat what I want? They hadn't got there yet. They were still working all of that out. And they certainly hadn't got all the way to the, oh, wait, so like, go unto all the world. That wasn't covered just by like Jews from all over the world being in Jerusalem and hearing me preach. Like, you like actually mean like everybody. Even those folks that are out there worshiping idols, like you want to save them too? Those folks that are out there that have their wives, their mistress, and a young little boyfriend, as many Roman families did back then, like you want to save them too? Oh, you want them to hear about your son so that their lives can change? Oh, that hadn't been clear to them yet. We read the Gospels and we're like, well, it should have been. Travel back in time 2,000 years and see how you do with it. The important thing that we see here is that as God is working with them, as God is making it clear, when, as Vicky points out, they obediently followed, even when it was hard, even when they weren't completely sure where it was all ending up, but they just wanted to do what God was calling them to do. He blessed them. And we end up seeing these absolutely amazing things happen. So as you think about that here in Acts chapter 10, what are some things that this particular passage tells you about God? What can you learn about God as we see him work here in Acts chapter 10? God being God our Father, God being Jesus Christ, Son, God being the Holy Spirit, who's incredibly active here. What do you learn about God as we see him in this passage? He just says, God of all. Yes. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is Lord of all people. He is Lord over everything. Jesus is king. Not Caesar, not Putin. Jesus. Jesus is king. What else do we learn about God here? That he has a plan. And he's had it all along. He's working it all out. And we can look back and see it and be like, wow, look at that. But even when people didn't completely realize what the plan was, God still patiently worked with us. Like, isn't it neat? How many times did Peter see the vision with the sheet? Three times. Isn't God patient? Some of us don't like repeating ourselves more than once. Three times. He did that one right after the other. And he timed it perfectly because while Peter's standing there thinking about it, what happens? Three guys show up at the gate. At that very moment, God had a plan. Those men didn't fully understand what the plan was. Peter admits he didn't understand what the plan was. He was perplexed. But God had the plan. And just by having people willing to go, God worked it all out. Other things that we see about God. He's just. He doesn't play favorites. He's not going to treat you better based on how much money you make or which family you come from or what your race or nationality or ethnicity or language is. God cares about everybody. None of that gives you a leg up with him. If you want to seek him, he's going to make it so you find him. That's who he is. Other things that we see about God.
This is an important point that Lance brings out for us. So, Cornelius was not a Jew. Wasn't even a proselyte. Cornelius had not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ yet because nobody had come to preach to him Jesus yet. But he tried. He prayed. He gave to help others. And sometimes we like to just sort of stop it right there and be like, oh, well, was he saved? Well, hang on, what's the whole story? Because of that, God led him to the person who told him about Jesus. And he immediately was baptized. We need to stop trying to dice up these stories and draw lines at exactly the point. Look at how God's working. When somebody is seeking God, genuinely seeking him, he honors that by bringing people into their lives that help them reach an understanding of what they need to do to walk with him. That is the picture of God as we receive it in Acts. That if you are seeking him, he is going to make sure there is somebody there to help you find him. That the efforts you make to please him are not wasted. That those will be part of how he gets you ready to be responsive when you know what you need to do. It's part of how he brings you around the people that are going to be able to explain to you what you need to do to walk with him. Appreciate, too, like as we touch on the spirit here, because I think that this is important. So what we see happening here as Peter's preaching, and and what did Peter preach about? Jesus. And what did Saul preach about last week in Acts 9? Jesus. And all the way back in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, after Peter explains that they're not drunk, but it's fulfilling prophecy, he then starts the main part of his message, and who did he preach about? Okay, so take note. That's why I talk so much about Jesus. Because that's what I'm supposed to talk about. That's the message. The message is Jesus. That's how hearts are cut. That's how lives are changed. Jesus is the message. So the message of Jesus gets preached. And you see the spirit falling down on these Gentiles. We're like, whoa, what's happening there? And that's again because we like to draw those lines. Where are they saved here? Are they saved here? Where are they saved? Appreciate. This is the second time in human history this has ever happened. The first time when it happened with the apostles. And it led to the proclamation of the gospel. And 3,000 Jewish people being united with Christ in baptism. This time it happens. And Peter doesn't say, oh, hey, look. God showed us he's already saved them, so let's just go on and party. Now Peter says, hey, look, is there any reason not to baptize these guys if God did for them exactly what he did for us? And they're all like, yeah, let's do it. And they weren't like, oh, no, wait, I don't need to be baptized. That's just an outward sign of an inward change. I've already got the spirit. They're like, no, yeah, that's what Jesus wants us to do. Let's do it. Sign me up. And that's the right attitude. What does God want me to do? Okay, I'm going to do it. And that's what they show us here. And the other piece to it that's really neat, when Peter starts preaching Jesus, he mentions starting with John the Baptist, and part of how Jesus was identified as the Christ, he says he was 
anointed by the Holy Spirit. So part of how you knew Jesus was the Christ as Peter was preaching it is he'd been anointed. He'd been set apart by the Holy Spirit. So Peter is standing there saying that. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of his talking, well, look, God just anointed these guys. So it's kind of hard for us to understand. It's been years since Jesus was teaching some of this stuff, and we still haven't put it together, but now it's kind of hard to deny. I think God's saying it's okay for these folks to be Jesus followers. Anybody disagree with that? All right, we're good to go. That's beautiful. That's exciting. That's powerful. And it makes it crystal clear for us that God wants all of us. It makes it crystal clear for us that any of us that try to get close to God, he is working through so many different ways to help us. But it also makes crystal clear for us that we need to listen. That we need to work with him, even if it's scary, even if we're not completely sure. Because did you notice, as we start to talk about people now, when Peter got to Cornelius' house, who was there? How did, how did he know Peter was coming? They didn't have cell phones. Nobody, nobody texted to say, hey, good news, got Peter, we're on our way. He had faith. God told me to send for this guy, so he's coming. People can have faith. People that are seeking God can be confident. I don't know how this is going to work out, but God's told me it will. That's an example for us to follow. If God said it, I'm going to trust it. You know, or think about the fact that you've got those two servants and that soldier showing up while Peter is praying. And the Spirit says, hey, go with them, don't hesitate. God positions people to be in certain places at certain times. So I'm not sure what the thought is as to why week after week after week you feel like I just drill you on sharing your faith with somebody. And I'm sure for some of you at least it does feel like, give it a rest. Okay, yeah, I get it. That'd be a nice thing to do. I'll try to do it some. I'm just not as outgoing as you were with. Why? There have been people standing at our gate. If we weren't praying, if we weren't pondering, if we weren't trying to get set with the Spirit, we missed them. And we don't have to. We don't have to miss them. Everything we need is right there. It's not about how smart we are. It's not about how well-spoken we are, how confident we are. We can answer every question that they have. It's about Jesus. It's about his spirit who he gave to us as a gift when we repented and were baptized in Jesus' name. That's the opportunity. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not if you get scared enough or if you feel bad enough, maybe you'll finally get around to doing it. It's getting confident enough that when you've got a set of co-workers, God put you that when you've got a certain spot in the line at the restaurant, God put you And that doesn't mean that every person you talk to will get a full gospel presentation, but you have an opportunity to plant and to water. 
God put you around that person. And we know that. Because you've heard the story of how Dr. Nick McClary started talking about Jesus to his patient, Vicki Keller. So you know it can happen. You've heard the story about how Jenna Jordan Squires invited Amity Chastain to come check out church at a book club. You've heard the story about how I quoted this story to Louis Chastain when he had been asking, like, but I feel like I've been serving God all these years, so does that mean I was just wrong all this time? And I brought up this story to him, and the day before he was reading this same story on the toilet... And was wondering, huh, that's a weird story. What's that about? So then when I say that, not knowing any of that, he's like, and they get baptized at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. God works through people. Will we work with him? He's given us what we need. We just need to trust him. Just whatever little bit, even if we don't have it all figured out yet, if we just trust him. Anything I didn't hit on there that you think is relevant to people here that we should bring out? Wait. So then how will we? How will we put this into practice? I will what? As you think about this, I put up a whole bunch of pretty blue slides earlier today that had all sorts of things that you could latch on for this. What are some ways that you are going to practically put this into practice? I will... We're running out of time. Somebody jump in there. Don't be shy. I will follow where the Spirit leads. Great start, Vicki. Others. Now start sharing Jesus. I will think about what God says. Right? Yep. I'll ponder and act. Right? What is God saying here? Okay, now let me go do it. Others. I will make Jesus the message. You are not being sent out to convince everybody, hey, you really should think about just tearing up the piano in your church building and trying a cappella singing. A cappella is beautiful. God does a lot through it. Your message is Jesus. Like, you go share Jesus. Focus on that. You know, your call is not to go out and tell people like, hey, so we know you really like this particular denomination, but you see, when we create these man-made structures, soon they start voting for things that disagree with Scripture, and that's not really the way God wanted it. You should try autonomous local elders. That's not the message. The message is Jesus. God takes care of all the rest. You just share Jesus. Because Jesus had a reason for teaching us what he taught us. If we're just sharing Jesus, then we'll see like, Okay, well, Jesus' way works. 
So let's just do what he said. And that'll be good enough. But Jesus is the message. Jesus has got to be the focus. So I will make Jesus the message. And if Jesus is the message, it's a lot easier to feel empowered. Because if it's those other issues, then yeah, somebody's going to ask you questions like, well, but what about in the 1800s when so-and-so wrote such-and-such and and you're like, no. (laughs) But that's not what you're called to do. You don't need to read 20 commentaries before you can share your faith with somebody because your faith isn't in 20 commentaries. Your faith is in Jesus. So whatever's enough for you to be loyal to Jesus, that's ready to share. If it was enough for you to decide you trust him, that's the message. Share Jesus and trust that those people showing up at your gate are people that God's preparing for you to share. And you might not see the result right away, but trust that God put them there. And as long as you do your part, he's going to take care of his. So who needs this that you will tell? Who's going to be at your gate this week? We're going to see the water. Picture their face. Who's a friend or loved one you're going to have a phone call with? And you're going to text. Who's that Facebook people that Zuckerberg's algorithm have show up on your feed the most so you always see what they're posting? Who are you going to be at the gym with? Who are you going to bump into at the store? Have it resolved in your mind right now. I might not know who they are yet, but there are going to be people that God has standing at my gate, and I want to be ready to say something about Jesus. Maybe it's handing them a verse card. Maybe it's carrying around one of the compassion kits. Maybe it's just saying, hey, how are you? You know, I'm doing great. I just spent Sunday worshiping Jesus. Goodness, my heart's done. And they might be like, uh, okay. And then 20 years from now, when you're in a really bad way, somebody else will say something about Jesus. And they might even remember you, but there'll be something back there that helped them remember there's something about Jesus. Or maybe they'll say, oh yeah? And then you start talking. And they won't say, well, now what a second. What about the difference between infant baptism versus adult believer immersion? You just tell them why you follow Jesus and what you've learned from him. And if they have other stuff, you're like, hey, that'd be really interesting. We should sit down and study sometime. You want to swap phone numbers? And then they'll probably be like, uh. Or they may be like, okay. And then all of a sudden you go grab coffee with them. God can do all sorts of stuff. The vision is there. You just got to decide if we're going to see it clearly. Cornelius reached an understanding. God had a vision, and one step at a time, he obediently followed it. Peter reached an understanding. God had a vision, and one step at a time, he obediently followed it. And notice that this is a vision that lifts people up. That's one last thing I want to make sure I emphasize here. Cornelius fell down to worship at Peter's feet. And as a Jew, how tempting would it have been to be like, that's right. (laughs) Kiss those stinky man feet, Roman. But he said, no. The way the Spirit inspired him, Luke specifically says he lifted him up. And he said, no, I'm just... And he focused him on That's what the gospel does. 
You're not out there trying to prove people wrong. You're not out there trying to tear people down. You're not out there trying to make people do something you don't want to do. We are out there to lift people up. This world is run to people's faces and to dirt. And we want to be the voice that tells them you don't have to stay there. Let me show you a different way. Let me lift you up. Let's walk together. Let's walk and talk. That's what they do. John, you didn't get a chance to serve this morning, did you? Would you be willing to pray us out? Thank you, brother. Father, be with us as we go out to the world. Uh, Father, help us to uh, just interact with those who come to us. Father, to share the good news with them, Lord. Father, they can know that they 